Coming up on today's show. So I said, if, you know, people get upset about this, then they're probably not the people that I need in my life or in my circle anyway. So, you know, I've already said no to getting a record deal and all this other stuff. So I really don't have any, I have nothing to lose. What can I say? It's nothing new. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter. I only send out on Wednesday when a new episode of this show comes out, so make sure you're signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, Go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address in the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Panama City, Florida, my guest is a singer, songwriter, recording artist, and producer who, in March, released a new single that already has over 134,000 streams on Spotify alone. He is a fifth-generation musician who has shared the stage with artists such as Sheryl Crow, Brandy Carlisle, Death Cab for Cutie, and many others. He performs with his band in the Florida Panhandle, where they have been named the best band on the Emerald Coast by several publications. He also runs both a songwriters festival and a nonprofit. You've been hearing a song of his called One of These Days. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Will Thompson. Hey, Bruce. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. Thank you, Will. It's standard operating procedure on this show to start off each week by having the guest talk about the song of theirs that was playing during the intro, especially since I talk over it and the audience can't hear the lyrics. So, Will, in your case, share with us all about that track that started us out called One of These Days. Sure. One of These Days. It's a, you know, everybody has a, a song that's really close to them, and, and, and they when they sing it every single time, it means something. And, and that's this song, One of These Days. It was about not giving up. It's you know, I've always said, well, one of these days I'm going to do this. One of these days I'm going to do that. And I just got tired and fed up of saying one of these days. Mm. And so out of frustration, really, where I was at in life, I just thought about that lyric. You know, one of these days I won't have to say one of these days, you know, but <laughs> I will actually be in the middle of what I want to be doing or uh, things with my family or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's, that's how that song was really born. And it was, it was neat because I think shortly after that, we had hurricane Michael hit in 2018. And, uh, there was a lot of people kind of saying one of these days, one of these days we're going to build back. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of, um, a lot of homes and people in dis- disarray, like they, they, they're, 
their whole lives were messed up at that time. And, and, and so it was chaotic. And a, a lot of people are saying one of these days. And so, um, it was, it was cool to actually record that video in the midst of hurricane Michael rebuilding mm. and, uh, kind of parallel with a lot of people's attitudes. Yeah, and folks, I'll tell you, you're going to also like the song that I play at the end of today's episode. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that when I play music on this show that I really like, I say it. And it doesn't mean that when I don't say it, I don't like the song, but I think it's more a testimony to how much I really enjoy the music. And in both cases of the two tracks that Will sent me, Really, really enjoyed both songs, so I'm glad that we got a chance to play part of one of these days. And since I was talking over it, do make sure that you go and hunt that down in its entirety. Well, let's do some background setting here. I'm going to take the honesty is the best policy approach and humbly admit that I don't know the Thompson family, meaning you're being a fifth-generation musician, as I said during the intro. Explain to us who all that was, as well as about you growing up in music. Sure. Um, I think you mentioned I'm a fifth generation uh, musician. Both of my parents were music teachers, now retired. And on especially my, well, I had both of them as teachers, first of all. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was that was a neat experience. But on my mom's side, there, long, there runs a long line of uh, conductors, Hall of Fame conductors, um, people that you probably wouldn't know uh, unless you win their award in Florida. Now, if band gets a band gets a superior um, rating, um, they can win the Harry E. Grant Award. And that mm. was on my mom's side. That was her father. And, of course, his father was a conductor. And, I mean, it looks like some Civil War pictures of people with <laughs> instruments in their hand um, that were family and kin. So it runs really, really deep. And I kind of cut my teeth um, in the recording and the and a lot of the music that I enjoy doing, producing, and making tracks um, with my uncle. And my uncle is Gary Grant, and he is uh, has been a, a a long time L.A. horn player, you know, a studio musician. Mm. And so I would spend summers uh, with my uncle uh, in the L.A. area. Um, and he was quick to tell me, don't make eye contact. Don't talk to anybody. You're not even supposed to be in these, these music sessions, these mm. recordings. It's like, so just act like you're carrying my horn and, <laughs> and, uh, just, and, you know, just disappear, you know, be a chameleon. <laughs> and so that's what I, that's what I was doing. But, you know, uh, we're talking about him playing with, Elvis and Sinatra and all Whoa. of Michael Jackson's records and uh, anything Quincy Jones did. I mean, thousands, thousands of, of movies, thousands of records, thousands of commercials. He played for the Simpsons for I don't know how many years. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, just retired from that a couple of years ago. But let me jump in because when you mentioned that both of your parents taught you – I know you play mm -hmm. guitar. Forgive me. I don't know if you play other instruments, but were your parents, say – your voice teacher, your guitar teacher, was it just music theory? What did what role did they have in your music education? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really all of the above. Wow. So my mom was an elementary school teacher, and I had choir with her. Of course, there's church choir and all of that. And then um, it was pretty much mandatory in our home uh, for for me to take piano lessons 
which I wanted to quit about, you know, once or twice a year. <laughs> and I was always so glad that they said, no, you know, this is the one thing that we're going to require that you do and stick through, you know, mm. stick it out. And, and I'm so, I, I tell my kids because they're doing the same thing. So now we're going <laughs> to six generations with my kids doing uh, piano and all that. But wow. um, it, it was one of those things where, you know, I couldn't see how helpful it was going to be mm. in a long-term career, but um, it has helped me play other instruments. And then, of course, when I got to middle school, I had my dad as a middle school band director, and I played trumpet. Oh. And uh, yep. And then, about 15 years old, I took up the guitar um, because somebody quit in a band, and I needed. You know, they're like, "We need." I was like, "I'll fill in." You know, just wow. teach me a couple chords, and I think. And I was singing and, and doing chords by the next week, wow. you know, so um, and, and and through that, just picking up in sh- other instruments, there was instruments scattered all over our home, you know, <laughs> growing up, band instruments and this and that and the recorders and uh, gym bays and, and steel drum. I mean, everything. And so wow. I was literally baptized into uh, into music yeah. and to different instruments and sounds yeah. my whole life. For sure, which was, for it, sure. Yes, yeah, it's been amazing. Your musical journey starting from a young age continues. The story goes that at just 18 years old, you sold everything you owned and did what? I did. I sold everything I uh, I, I had that was recreational, and I and I went down to the bank and, and took out money and started recording you bought recording equipment and mm. and cut my teeth on trying to understand all of it and you know it's the whole stereotypical thing where i'm hanging cords from a ceiling fan trying to do vocals you know <laughs> you know turning off the air conditioning because it made a loud noise or waiting at a weird hour because you could hear people through the walls i mean you you know the woes of like getting good audio <laughs> yeah, and so right. those are the things i was learning you know at 18 19 mm. and i went off to the college for two years to stetson and, and quickly found that music education was not going to be my career path but um and had a couple of offers to do you know major record deals and I, I didn't take them at the time but i was that whole time i was figuring out how to make tracks and how to record and get good vocal sounds and yeah it was just a great a great experience at 18. Did you ever end up regretting not taking those record deal offers? No, I do not. I do not. People ask me that question. I, I, I definitely believe, first of all, I could see the writing on the wall. I knew my personality and I wasn't, I, fame would have probably destroyed me, mm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> being being popular at the time in my undeveloped brain would have probably done me in. And, you know, I, so, yeah, there was a real, when I said no, you know, from all these, I think there's maybe five contracts. Wow. From New York to, to L.A., working with one of my idols at the time, and um, Nashville. I had gone from basically all this opportunity to working on a farm, you know, cleaning off chicken eggs <laughs> on a conveyor belt. And I went, boy, I really picked the right path, you know. Mm. But that was my wilderness for a long time because I really wanted to find out, 
you know, because it's like temporary success, right? I mean, a lot of people's end goal is to get signed, but then, but now what? You know, or yeah. to be popular, but now what? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do with that? I don't think that's in itself enough to fulfill you. So I was asking myself what I wanted to do, and that wilderness experience um, helped me define what I want to do in music and that's to create something genuine and that's to not to be told what I have to sing or what I have to wear or what I have to look like to me it was more about how can I help others and so that was my end goal right so that helped me define and clearly be able to make choices whether someone say I will give you a contract and you can be a part of Atlantic Records and do all this and that you know, I'm like, is this going to help me achieve my end goal? Hmm. And the through the meetings, I could very quickly tell that the answer was no. So that's great perspective, but it's also a very mature viewpoint at the time because, like you said, your undeveloped brain could have very easily let the ego take over and say, absolutely, where do I sign? When do we start recording? And so to be <laughs> yeah. able to take yeah. that step back and say, that's right. As exciting as all of this looks, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. And at the time, you probably said, I might regret this later, but I'm going to pass. And now here you are looking back. And of course, everybody always says, if I had to do it all over again, no, because I wouldn't have had the experiences that I did in, in its place. That's right. That's, that's yeah, it's greatly put. Um, have, you, have you ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire? I have. It's been a while, but yeah, I have. Okay, but it it, it it's kind of equal to where he has this. Uh, I can't remember what he calls it in the movie, but he's in his hotel room and he's just like having this epiphany about the business, and nobody kind of understand. And he's like cold sweating, and he's like, "Oh my god, a breakthrough!" He says, "Breakdown, no breakthrough." Mm. And that was kind of me. It was like I was sitting in a studio in L.A. Everybody was laughing at a joke and I have this inward voice that goes, uh, is this what you want? You know, like, mm. oh, my gosh, you know, wow. kind of shook me to my core. It's just a wow. question, you know. And um, you know, so that that's what started is like, is this what you really want? And I, I, I could not answer yes. Mm. And so that's what got me in this journey of like not going the traditional way and trying to do it as in. Yeah you know, independent artists, whatever that looked like. So if we fast forward to present day, let's focus on just Will Thompson, the songwriter. Everywhere I look online, I see references to you being a versatile writer. Is that a reference to multiple genres, or does it mean that you can adapt it to different co-writing partners or both or something else or what? Uh, uh, That's good. I've never been asked that question, but the answer is, I think, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't. I can be a chameleon uh, when I need to, as far as uh, if I have a writing partner who comes in and he's, uh, you know, 90s country, uh, or I have somebody that's a pop and wants to do something the next day. Uh, I think it's versatile writing, but it's also versatile adaptation where I'm, um, you know, trying to figure out where this songwriter wants to go and what he wants to do. And so there's a lot of questions I ask, obviously, to try to find out what their end goal is. And then, you know, are they trying to have this song or are they just be on the radio or is this song need to say something about their story or their life? So mm. 
in that, I think you get a lot of versatility. So whether that be Americana, pop, country, even we've written Irish things. And wow. I mean, it's just been all the way across the board. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that show that's the definition of versatility when when I talk about it. You also talk about the struggle to fit in a box, and I'd like you to expand on that. But could it not be argued, though, that if an artist is finding themselves being put in a box, that they're putting limits on their creativity? Yes, um, I think so in a way. Um, it helps It helps people identify, and, and I think as, as the general public, we want to know who people are. We want to know quickly, mm. like as quick as we can, give us who you are. And so when you can't do that really musically, um, it, it frustrates people in a way. Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of people like me. I've asked the question many times. Maybe you have too. What's your favorite type of music? And, and the number one answer I get is all kinds. <laughs> now, there's, there's those people that go, well, country. Oh, I love classical. I love jazz. I love... But most of the time I hear people going, Oh, I love all kinds of music. And so that's who we are. That's who I am now. That's who we are as a band. We play, um, that versatility that we're talking about either through, you know, original songs or cover songs. We do that. And so, um, I think it frustrates people that are very to the point and I, I need to market this or I, I need to put you in a, in a category, you know, when you fill out things, even in Spotify, what type of music is this? You know, as an artist, what are you? I'm like, man, can you just, you know, it's like, I wonder if there was a checkbox that just goes, you know, all over the place. All, all you of know, the above. Goulash, that's what we are, goulash. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's how we definitely feel. No, but you're right, because we've all seen those online forms where they'll say, which one of these best represents your genre and they only let you pick one. And then you say, I could probably select three of these or four of these. And everybody does. I love how you said that because it makes me think in business of everybody tells you, you got to have your elevator pitch 30 seconds at the most. And that's where you go. Okay. I can do it, but you know, can't I have 60 seconds or can I have five minutes? Like why do we all have to be in this box where, Musically, right. you got to check one one genre box. Or business wise, I have to tell you who I am and what I do in thirty seconds. Why can't we get to know each other? Why can't we, you know, have a healthy dialogue where, where there's this exchange that you get to know each other more the time the more time you spend together? Why does it have to be? Nope, cookie cutter. Come on, it's such a fast paced society. Like, tell me that's that's why we see these social media platforms that. You know, we now have it that you can do a sixty second video instead of a thirty. Oh boy, great, thanks. <laughs> Boy, you are you are speaking my kind of language right now. I mean, because because to to do something succinct and really quick and generic and wrap it up is is my nightmare. You know, it's like we used to, and you 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 know this. You know, like you listen to a record even back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, even the nineties had some of it, where you listen to a whole album and it told a story in its entirety. Yeah, it's like book. It's like a beginning and an end. Even if it didn't, you you took the time to to listen to the album and, and see, you know, of course some of the days you didn't have a choice, you know, like a, a eight track, you just have to, you want to hear the song again. Like Sinbad <laughs> says, you've got to drive around the block a couple more times, <laughs> you know, but, um, 
But now, yeah, it's like we started releasing singles a couple years ago. And because we're so fast-paced, we just get one done. And now, like you say, it's 30 seconds. And you don't even have time for an intro because we're so fast-paced. And I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but you know, a lot of people that come to the shows are so used to skipping or swiping or yeah, yeah. what they really want is to sing a theme or a chorus of a song and then they want to move on to the next mm. one. That's, that's, that's for the most, the most part, like people don't hear, are they hear us movie for the first time and they've had too many drinks or something that, that describes them to a T they want to, they want to keep swiping. Just give me a theme real quick, but I don't have the attention span to really sing this whole song. I'll wait for the intro. I just want to belt out this one cool part. And now I want to go do the same. Let's go to another one. Let's go to another one. And it, it's, I think it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a frustrating, frustrating thing for musicians and people that are purists or artists that really want to tell a story and take time with, um, you know, it's, like, it's the people that come up and give us something to dance to. Let's hurry up and get energetic quickly. Let's go. It's like, uh, I don't mean to be crude, but like, you know, no foreplay, no, 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 <laughs> no taking out the dinner. Let's just get right to the end of everything. And, um, I, I, it's one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I find myself from time to time on this show asking a guest, hey, you've got a new album out. Tell us the title and who you recorded it with. What's the theme of the album? Because I do go back to those days where you could listen to the entire thing and you know that, okay, there's a common theme throughout all these songs, as opposed to, and I might be kind of putting myself out there a little bit on this one, but I feel like some days there are artists that if they are asked that question, are going to say, what do you mean a theme? I mean, it's just nine really good songs. And you go, oh, right. okay, well, that's another approach. <laughs> right, right. That's right. I had referred to creativity, putting limits on it. Do you find that you're able to access a different part of your creativity when you're in the producer chair instead of, say, wearing the songwriter hat or the recording artist hat, all the different things that you do? Yes, Um there is is a create. There's an element of being creative because one, it's not you. Uh, like to say, I'm producing someone else, even my wife or another vocalist or something. There, there, there becomes a quick game that goes on. In essence, like I'm finding out what I can do, how far I can push this person. Is what I'm hearing just what I want? Uh, are they going to like this? There's a lot of that that goes on in that exchange between um, this producer role. And it's, it's, it can be really, really challenging, really, really tricky um, with people that, especially if it's just a cold, hard case where somebody comes in one song and they're paying you and you might never see them again. Mm. Instead of like we were talking before, you know, developing relationship with some per person and it meaning a lot and the song meaning a lot. So, there's a lot of that that has to be creative, and it's almost like, oh, man, here we are at the end of this, or I've got to be creative. Hell, Mary, we have three seconds on the clock. We have to make this <laughs> song sound good through this sound or this vocal role or note. And so I do think it's very uh, challenging and can be more challenging um, as a the pro production standpoint. Um, because you can also get in a, a loop and a rut of what you've always done as a producer. 
And so the challenge of how to stay fresh and how to not, you know, just turn your brain off and like, I can do this in my sleep. It's going to sound like this. Yeah. So that's always a challenge to be creative in the production chair. So as a housekeeping note, are you quote unquote open for business? Meaning can anyone who's listening contact you if they'd like to inquire about you producing them? Or do you solely offer that service, say to quote unquote friends and family, so to speak, say a referral basis only? No, uh, it, uh, I will be open for business uh, back in, I call it the lab. I have a studio space. Currently, we are living in our studio space. Uh, my family and I, we've been living there for two year, two and a half years while we build our house and try to get permits for our home. So it's a long story, but needs to say we're almost done with our house. We've got about three or four more months. And then I'll be um, opening back up and moving all of my stuff back into my studio. And I cannot wait because there's a lot of songs that I'm looking forward to doing and people to produce. So uh, the answer is yes, but it'll probably be more like three, four months before I'm ready. Uh, Okay, okay. And folks, I'm about to give you some of Will's online destinations. And you'll see on his website, I'm looking at it right now while I'm talking to him, the Lab Studio and it even says on there, the Lab's music and production partners have worked with Ryan Tedder, Brian McKnight, Chad Carlson. So quite an impressive network, Will, that you've built up. Mm-hmm. Yes, all, all from right here in Panama City, which is what I love as well. Building from your, what you call home, you know. Very nice. Very nice. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line by singer, songwriter, recording artist, and producer Will Thompson. Visit his official website at willthompsonmusic.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Stick around because coming up, you'll hear Will talk about his new single, the video for it, his songwriters festival, and more. Meanwhile, do support Will by purchasing his original music from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. As you heard back in the intro, his music is streaming on Spotify, so do give him a follow on there, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I mentioned this last week, and it bears repeating. Before that, I had written about this in the weekly e-newsletter, and I had posted about it on the Instagram account for this podcast. For those of you that listen to this show through Spotify, look below the episode description for where it says Q&A, followed right underneath that by what did you think about this episode and a reply button so you can send feedback directly to me through their app. I would love to get your thoughts that way. So if you're listening through Spotify, please take a moment to utilize that feature. It's available for all the episodes, not just Will's. Will, back in the intro, I mentioned that your band has been named the best band on the Emerald Coast by several publications. What I didn't say is that in addition to various venues and events, the Will Thompson Band even performs at weddings. I think there's a good teaching moment here in that on your website, you actually list pricing for hiring the band for a wedding. It's very rare to see that listed online. Usually wedding bands will want you to contact them in order to disclose right. pricing. Can you talk about the decision to make that information public as opposed to, like I said, simply putting something like, contact us to inquire about pricing sure. and availability? Right. Well, it, it just, it, I think it just it pretty much cuts it down. It, it helps people decide very quickly if, if we're even in the ballpark of what they want to spend for a wedding. And uh, wedding band, shall I say. But 
you know, there are wedding bands that, that charge twenty twenty five thousand dollars you know and we and our, our band does go up um in, in in people and personnel you know like different horn players and stuff like that so that that's what can really uh determine pricing but i i yeah i, I was struggling with that at first because it's like you know do you want to hang that out there but i just i just said you know what just do it because it'll help people in the whole process, interview process. You know, are you available this day? Okay, now let's talk about pricing. Okay, our price is this. Okay, well, I've just wasted two, three days listening to you guys and investigating, and, mm. and, and that's out of my budget, you know, or something like that. So that's why we decided to go ahead and put it on there. Yeah, and I did notice, I love that you do have so many possible configurations so that people can hire just you. You'll go out and do a show as just Will Thompson solo guitar, or you had briefly mentioned that your wife is also a musician, so it could just be the two of you, it could be a trio, a full band, and right up, all the way up to adding horns. That's right. I think there was maybe uh, nine or ten of us at New Year's Eve for possibly maybe eight to 10,000 people at uh pier park here. Wow. I and mean, it was just, it was just the whole stage was full of players. And it was, uh, of course I love it. I love, I love the more the merrier and the different sounds, but, um, I have some friends who are just like, no, give me, <laughs> give me a guitar solo of myself. <laughs> I'm easy to manage, you know, and, and, and I can understand that point of view too, but I don't, I don't enjoy playing solo. I don't enjoy, hmm. um, and a lot of people are like, what, what do you mean? I, yeah, I just, that's surprising. I will. And don't get me wrong. I do have moments where I like, but I much rather be with someone else making music. I'm a very collaborative guy. Hmm. I, I love getting other people in and hearing what they do because I already know in a sense what I'm going to do. Even when I'm playing a solo, it's like those milliseconds I'm doing something with my fingers and kind of imagining it because I kind of see pictures and stuff while I'm playing these things, but it's awesome to hear someone else just come out and, and play what they're feeling, what they're hearing. And that to me is just very interesting. And I, I enjoy that. So I'm always like, well, the more people, the, the better, because I want to hear what you do. You know, I already know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I like that. And I like that it is a refreshing perspective because I think it's so, so common. And again, getting back to that in the box, I think so many singer-songwriters just kind of accept it and they fall in line and say, I guess I'll just go out and do shows by myself or I guess I'm supposed to go out and do shows by myself. And they end up doing great shows, but perhaps this is an opportunity to take a step back in that expression that I love to use all the time, do a self-audit and say, well, wait a minute, what might I be missing out on? by doing a collaboration with someone for one show for, you know, maybe you set a goal of three shows a month. I'm going to make sure I'm playing with someone else. But Will, I love the the perspective that you're bringing here because it's rare, but I think it's also needed. Yeah. I do try to encourage, uh, you know, people to, to hook up with people. Now there is a long process. I will warn people <laughs> because it takes you know, as as soon as you add one more in the mix, that's also another personality that can rub or help. And so it's taking me years to find people that I don't 
just vibe with on stage musically, but I vibe with their spirit, their personality and mm. who they are. And those things I think are crucial to longevity of bands and people that really want to do this full time. Um, because I've been so just fortunate and blessed to know amazing people. And we've had different political opinions. We've had deli- uh, different religious opinions and all of those things, but it doesn't matter. They're very um, collaborative in nature as well. And so we don't make that a bone of contention about how we play. It's, it's all about the music. It's all about what is our goals here. Uh, I like you as a human being. You like me as a human being. Let's go make music. And we don't complicate it. So if there's drama in a player, I don't care how good you are. If there's drama there, uh, I'm just not going to I'm not going to really be a part of it. I try to distance myself as much as possible, because as you're playing, you need your best energy to go forward, you know, as a band. And you can feel it. You know, you can feel it. I don't know if other people can. I can feel tension, you know, as we're playing with people who are maybe just mm. there to get a paycheck oh. or, you know, maybe some different motives. Wow. And so it's important. It's important to me. Uh, and I think um, that that will be something that people and maybe that discourages people. But I think it's worth it in the long run. Well, here's the thing. A lot of times when I go out and I talk to college classes, I will tell them sometimes take an internship just to find out that that's not what you want to do. After all, instead of going through your whole college career, you graduate, you get your degree, and then you start doing it and you go, man, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be, what I wanted it to be. And so a lot of artists will start out and say, I got to join a band. I got to start a band. I got to start finding some people to put a band together. So if you collaborate from time to time, if someone play on a show with you on Tuesday night, then, you know, 10 days later, you have someone different play on a show with you and you're just really not vibing with those people. Well, maybe you're slowly starting to find out that you'll be fine as a solo artist, or maybe you'll be Hmm. pleasantly surprised and say, you know what? I didn't like that guy last week, but man, this guy here, I just really vibing with him. Great. You know, then you get a singer, you go, you know, she's great. She adds a whole different element to it. And you go, okay, I I can slowly and and methodically see how a band can come together instead of just waking up one day and say, all right, how, how do I start finding people to put a band together? It doesn't have to happen overnight. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great idea. Um, in general, yeah, intern, internship and really find out what doesn't work and don't label that as a failure. Label that as success. You know? mm, yeah, yeah, learning experience. In a minute, I'm going to ask you about your songwriter festival, but but first let's get into your nonprofit, which is called the Bay sure. Youth Music Association. When did you start that? Why did you start that? What does the BYMA do? All the details. I think I started that. I want to say maybe 2015 or 16 and it just started really, really slow and it's, it's not huge, um, organization, but what we do is what our long-term goal is to have sort of a YMCA area for musicians instead Mm. of going to this big building and getting a basketball at the front desk, you get a horn or something that wow. maybe you couldn't afford. And um, you just line that baby up with some practice rooms and let them practice and have master classes and teaching people from from instruments and vocalists all the way down to people who maybe are not music inclined, musically inclined, but they, 
they can wrap a cord. You can show them how to be a stagehand. You mm-hmm. can show them how to run sound. You can show them how to set up or tear down. And that that was really the 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 long term goal that caused me to start this. But we started it anyway, and I just would raise money here and there, and and give scholarships to people who were pursuing music as an um, uh, as a career path. Um, we've also taken in um, musical instruments um, and given those to people. What I've what I've found is that we have to go to mostly the band programs because if you give someone an instrument um, at a home, unfortunately, depending on their living living situation, uh, that horn would be pawned, you know, mm. that night. And so, wow. Wow. um, or, you know, by their parents or by them, you know, so, um, it's, it's, uh, tough living conditions that, that some of these, these people have, have had to go through. And, um, I think the, the latest thing that we've, we've done, and I still have a couple more pieces to give them, but is there's a school here. Um, and I don't like this, this term, but it's, uh, you know, troubled youth, but people that are just needing guidance and, and some direction in their life because of home situations and, mm-hmm. and things that life has dealt them. Um, we, I thought it would be a good idea to give them access to being equipment. So got, you know, uh, a nice, uh, Mac laptop and, and, uh, audio interface and a wow. guitar and a, a MIDI keyboard and some, uh, speakers, uh, mm. and just, microphones have them um give them access to to record or to put things down or to express what they're feeling uh you know to me that's really important i i'll often think of people you know locked away in their room writing lyrics or poetry or back there singing and and nobody really even knows it mm-hmm. but them you know things that they do by themselves and i think those type of people need outlets, you know, positive ways to express their hurt or the pain or frustration or their happiness or what makes them happy. Um, so that's what BYMA is really kind of all about. just giving opportunity for people, uh, no matter their financial status. And so, um, we're working towards that goal and, and that really, um, is the main supporter and the reason for the that segues into the songwriters festival because the songwriters festival, um, I'm I'm trying to build this up to such a festival where it would really be able to help and support BYMA. The why in BYMA youth? What age are you serving in, through the Bay Youth Music Association? What age is? Primarily, we have served the middle school to the um, high school uh, and okay. to up. Seniors, you know, and, and and a couple of those seniors that have gone on, that's the, those are the people that we've given financial aid okay. um, so that they could attend college and stuff. So, Okay, but yeah, please continue. Go ahead and, and tell the audience all about the Panama City Songwriters Festival. And as you said, there is a tie-in with the BYMA through that also. Sure. So uh, it's the, the Panama City Songwriters Festival. And uh, this will be uh, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th this year. Uh, will be our fifth annual um, festival. And I love this festival. I think it's one of the best things that happens downtown Panama City. Uh, 
saying that braggadociously, just, you know, <laughs> the fact that so many great people make it uh, an awesome, an awesome festival. Um, the venues are great. It's a, a two day. We kick off the Thursday night with like bands and, and uh, a kickoff party, essentially. And then Friday and Saturday are songwriters rounds. Um, could be three people, could be two, could be someone's just by themselves showcasing um, their talents. And it's spread throughout downtown, but it's uh, Panama City um, in multiple venues, like maybe five, six venues, but they're all within like a block of each other. So it's very convenient. You know, you walk out, you go to this venue, go hear someone, you, you go to another venue, but you're just walking there. You don't have to get in your car very accessible. And it's so, um, the other cool thing about this festival is, um, we don't go immediately to get well-known names per se. Um, we love discovering, um, undiscovered talent, you know, people that no one's probably even never heard before, but that's what makes it so amazing. So these people come out, come out and hear this songwriter they've never heard before. And they're just, they're just, either just sobbing during the song, you know, mm. or their jaws open because they're just like, I cannot believe I'm hearing this or this person sounds angelic or this really touches me or I can relate to this one about my grandfather too, you know, this song. And, and it's, it's a very song and story format, you know? And, um, I think we usually have around 30 to 40 artists every year. And from all over the nation, you know, we had a couple from Canada last year. And so I really go for substance and how they perform the song. So there's there's some people that I hand pick for this festival. But one of the things I hate about other festivals and, and music opportunities is I just don't think it's set up that that fairly for the for the no names. And so what I what I do is I partition off i guess or or have a handful of people that submit to the songwriters festival you can submit online you can go to the the uh, website and submit your work we've we've already finished this year's but um so we have maybe a hundred something people that submit their music um so it's a little overwhelming but i have a night where i get about six or seven musicians mm. and people that know music well and have them sit down in a table and we go through every single song and wow. I don't give them their names. I don't give them their bios. Uh. I don't give them anything other than this is the initial. And I want you to rate the performance, rate the song substance rate, you know, and that way it's blind. Wow. And I, I think that's as fair as it possibly can get wow. for a lot of these people. And, um, so when we do it that way, we also have people saying, wow, Every single person here are just amazing singers mm. because um, not that you have to just be the most fabulous singer in the world. But I've been to a lot of songwriter festivals where I wrote five number ones. But and here I go. I know I gave them to the other artists to sing. But here they goes. And, you know, they start singing <laughs> through the song. Well, 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 God has gifted you as a, a songwriter, but maybe not a performer. <laughs> And so I, I think about it from the, uh, the uh, not the performers, but the, the audience, audience standpoint. Yeah. It's like, 
I got to sit through five, six of these songs and, <laughs> and how can I make it the best experience that I possibly can? And by the so, way, you were talking about the venues. I'm sure that those are free for people to attend. Am I correct? So they have been free for the last four years. This year, we're going to do a two day pass uh, for $50. Ah, okay. I think that's pretty fair. Very fair. Very fair. So two days of music for $50. And it'll get you into every single venue. Wow! And we'll have VIP options available as well. But um, yeah, it's it's just nice. it's just an awesome time. Nice, and we enjoy it. In a couple minutes, I'm going to ask you about the single that you released in March. But first, is this just a one-off, a standalone release, or are you working on other new music? Meaning, is there another single coming, or maybe an EP, or a full album? Y- yes, um, the, there are singles coming, and. Um, I will put them together as a compilation of a, a full album. Um, although hopefully I can make it make sense where it is a theme, but it's going to be more of a theme of the periods of my life and the things that I've been through. Ah. So I have a song that's the track has already been finished and I actually got someone else to produce this because I wanted to put my hands off of it and not control everything. Mm. So I have somebody else producing it and I'm supposed to be coming out with a, a new single as soon as I can get to the vocal. Um, so that's maybe in a couple months here. Okay. I'll have another okay. another song. And before I have you get into the new song, let's talk first about the video. First off, I should mention that there's a second video, which is an extended version. But while the official <laughs> music video for Will's new single already has over 162,000 views on his official YouTube channel in just three months. Will, between your Songwriters Festival and a lot of the different locations, a lot of the different shots that I saw in the video, it looks like you really love Panama City and Panama City Beach. Share with us all about the making of that video. How long did it take? When was it made, being that it was released the same day that the single was? And other than acting in the video, how involved were you with the making of the video? So I, I, yes, I, I do love my hometown and, and I got a hometown guy, um, named, uh, Michael Buini with, uh, Boo Media and he had never shot a video, uh, a music video before, mm. but he has shot other things in promos and, and he is my photographer. And I said, man, you just got an eye to do this. Let's make a video. And he says, let's do it. And so we took maybe three weeks before that was released. Um, I think we finished the video maybe two days before it was uploaded, you know, uh, on that release date. And that was our whole intention was uh, I was going to finish the song, have all of them released the same day. And so, uh, we went through and I just had a couple ideas. He had some couple, a couple ideas and believe it or not, my son was on board with us (laughs) who's 15 and he had some great ideas. And so he, um, between the three of us, I was like, let's make this as cheesy (laughs) <laughs> as we possibly can, but but also yet some good quality. So, you know, that was the idea of the outrageous tires and and the typical uh, maybe videos that we see around this area of of music videos. So we had fun with it, and we just weren't taking ourselves serious at all. Um, so I mean, it was a little funny as I'm like next to heavy traffic and I'm doing all this stuff and people are like, who is this guy? You know, I went and got the cheapest glasses I could or this, you know, the cowboy up, uh, belt buckle and, um, just try to make it outrageous. And, uh, the opposite of 
you know, trying to be sexy and making that sell the song instead of just the song itself. And who is the guy um, who so, plays the fellow that knocks on the door in the extended version and has the long conversation with you? <laughs> uh, that's Jimmy Toggins. So that's a that's what's so funny is he is his name is Anthony Peebles and probably one of the most talented folk Americana singles singers I've ever heard in my life. He is a phenomenal songwriter and friend and um but he's also you know he's also a cut up and so he just makes you laugh and so he he has the same thoughts of industry that i do you know uh-huh. and um kind of thinks a lot of it's silly and so um i asked him to be a part of it and uh i think he did a great job <laughs> so folks we're going to close with will's new single that we're talking about the video for before i let you go and i play that track will share with the audience all about this song first if you would please absolutely so it takes place uh two days before last year's songwriters festival a friend of mine ashley watson came down who is a songwriting friend of mine who had done a lot of country um a lot of country music and we've written a lot of country songs and we've written a lot of bad country songs and um we've been a part of the craziness of what i think is today's pop country which okay we get it it's been about seven eight years of virtually kind of the same feel they all start to sound the same they all start to say the same thing and so um, not to steal too much from Bo Barnum's uh, song, uh, and I can't remember what the name of it was, but he, he hit on it well. Um, but I just wanted to have my own version of it because I've always noticed, you know, it's, you're going to say county line, you're going to say neon, you got to say beer, you got to say drinking, you got to say shots, got to say all these things. And I was like, oh, man, when are we going to get past this phase um, and, you know, either tell stories or just a, a different direction. And, um, and so we were sitting there and I had a beat going and it wasn't even going to be country, mm. but I was like, Oh, this could just be pop country all day long. And I said, and I just started listing off things and he's laughing and I'm laughing. I'm like, okay, we wrote the song. We're just pumping it out because this is, this is it. We, I've been preparing for this, man. I can, I know all the things <laughs> that I hate about the repetitiveness of pop country. And so we wrote the song and I was never going to perform this song because it was just too harsh. And I had a lot of Nashville people at the festival, you know, performing. And I was like, I don't mm. think I should do this. And it was a couple of people that heard it. I just played it for them. Uh, maybe the day of the festival, like, you got to do that tonight, <laughs> man. You got to do it. And I'm like, OK, well, you're talking me into it. So I performed it uh, raw. I mean, I'm still looking on my iPad and figuring out what the words are. And I performed it in front of maybe 250 people and they just went crazy. They were like, Oh my God, you know, this, this, and so it inspired me to go ahead. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to release it and have fun with it and just let the cards fall. You know, it's probably going to burn some bridges, but at the same time, people that get it are going to get it. Yeah. I'm glad you're saying all that about burning bridges and about, you know, some hesitant because I was wondering, I planned on following up with a question of was there any hesitancy in doing a song like that, meaning turning off the people in country music who are on the business side, decision makers. And it sounds like maybe you wrestled with that for a minute and then that performance at your festival told you just do it. Again, I've always kind of been a little rebellious. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, 
you know, about authority and stuff like that. Not not in a terrible way, but I always what my next single is all about that. It's about questioning um, people that dared not be questioned. And so um, I it just fit along with my personality. So I said, if, you know, people get upset about this, then they're probably not the people that I need in my life or in my circle anyway. So, you know, I've already said no to getting a record deal and all of this other mm. stuff. So I really don't have any I have nothing to lose. Yeah, and Will and I are just meeting for the first time, but audience, you would notice just like I did that throughout this whole episode, at no time did Will say, well, my real goal is to now get that record deal. My real goal is to actually move to Nashville. My real goal is to be nationally known as a country artist. So obviously we could kind of, through process of elimination, read between the lines and see that you're going to write this song and is it going to turn a couple of people off? Yeah. Is it going to turn thousands of people off? No, it's a great song. And as you were doing what you were doing, I was hearing the lyrics in my head. He was like, she was like, I was like, and I can picture you (laughs) writing all those ideas down there probably coming in so fast. And the song probably did write itself in no time. Absolutely. Will, it was so great to have you on Now Here at the Entertainment. Thank you so much for making time to be on the show. Folks, I'm going to tell you all Will's online destinations again, including his Songwriters Festival. But all the best with the new music, Will, and really enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, so good to, uh, to get to know you, Bruce. Thank you for having me on, there, uh, on the show, and, and um, uh, take care. You bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, recording artist, and producer Will Thompson. Do visit his official website at willthompsonmusic.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You are about to hear and will really enjoy his new single. Remember that Will's original music can be purchased from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers, so please support him that way. Yes, his music is streaming on Spotify, and I encourage you to give him a follow on there, but don't just stop there. It's well-documented about the fraction of a penny that he will get from you just streaming his song on there once. Engage with Will on social media, meaning Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Be sure to let Will know that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. You heard him talk about the Panama City Songwriters Festival. That event will take place later this year in the Florida Panhandle, November 2nd to the 4th. Find more information on that at pcsongwriters.com. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Will and I. And I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 487. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Will Thompson. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Checklist. County line, Check. neon sign, Check. ruby red sun just lighting up the sky. Check. Whiskey dreams on beer vacations, beach cowboy 
and redneck nations. Record is coming on, gotta sound just like a rap song. Words don't even matter, hit the chorus and they'll sing along. Network in Music City, change our voice and make it gritty. Dumb it down for radio, we know how the song goes. Fire back ones, dirt road tailgate. Yeti ass cooler on a boat every Sunday, Friday night lights, and pay per view fights. This is the anthem of our lives. Oh, looks like we got this. Another country song checklist. Football game, yeah. hunting and fishing, Ford and Chevrolet. Yeah. We lip sync to auto tune. To make this a hit, we need 10 runners in the room. Sunglasses on, it's always sunny here in Deuceville. Paid to get my followers, so I look like the real deal. Mortgage my parents' house to cut a song in Nashville. Shallow road to radio, and we know how the song goes. Light wagon wheel, America, sweet home. And white claw girls, night work in the Lucombs. Thicker accent to hook these hicks. A classic Benjamin trick. Oh, hell yeah, we got this. Another country song checklist. She was like, and he was like, and I was like, we were like, they were like, this is how it goes. Snare. To go for boots, skinny jeans, porn slash mullet hair. Song checklist with a country song checklist.